Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bali Effect. This is Preeti Tana. And this is Didi Perry. What's up? What's going on? How are you? I am. I'm nervous, Preeti. This Why? is the first episode that I've actually like really, I've changed my outfit like four times and you're only seeing like a quarter of my body. <laughs> No, you can't you can't be nervous. This is um I think there's a little bit of nerves too when it's someone that you know really well and someone that you are excited to chat with and someone in a different that I medium. Look good for. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I try to I try, <laughs> I try to you know take it up a few notches this morning too because I thought, "Oh, better better show up in uh in my A game." You or my show up in B your plus. A game. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, my I do find that uh well, I'll let's get into that. I already have the question ready for you. And just I, I mean, I'm looking at you and I feel I already know the answer, but I'll just ask it for for giggles. Uh my darling Preeti. Mhm. Do you consider yourself stylish? No. What? No. Shut up. This is what stylish means to me, okay? I think and maybe maybe that's a definition we'll get into later. But to me, it's it really is extravagant and flowy and beautiful and bright and bold. And I think when you say someone's stylish, they walk into a room and they make a statement with their clothing, like with their attire. Um, that's what I think is stylish, you know, that that sort of introductory first glimpse of someone. Um, not so much, you know, hair and makeup, but just, you know, how they wear their clothes. And maybe I'm saying no because I'm, you know, in yoga pants for the 250th day in a row. I don't know. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and I guarantee you that anyone listening to this would be like, she's not that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this, this person disagrees. <laughs> Listen, I, I, uh, you are outvoted right now on that one, but you know, but, but your perspective on yourself is always important and valuable. So I do not want to negate how you see yourself. Um, I, at the same time, if you would have asked me the question, uh, yes, <laughs> CD, I, I think the word stylish, you were absolutely right, has a certain connotation that can be limiting mm-hmm. and very narrowly defined. However, if you broaden it out a bit, I'd say, well, everybody's stylish in some way. However you show up, that is a style. And it can be a style that is comfortable attire. It can be a style that is, you know, of the trend in the moment attire. Uh, one of the things that I truly was thinking this morning as I'm going through uh, the closet was, oh my gosh, if I wear this, then it'll be so last season and I don't want to seem not like, ready. <laughs> and so let me try to find something that looks a little less like definable in the moment. Uh, so do I think that I wear clothes that are always about the trend of today? No, I can't mm-hmm. afford that. And it doesn't really interest me. Yeah. Uh, there are things that I just gravitate towards their colors, shapes, textures, all of that. And the amalgamation of it comes together with, you know, the palette that is 
the, the clothes in the closet and I put them on and then I go, wow. But you know, it's that saying, you know, does clothes make the person or do the person make the clothes? I think the way that you carry yourself in the things that you're putting on your body also contributes to style. And so I'm like, you have so much style. You always look great to me. Well, I think it goes back to the debt. Well, thank you. So do you, but see, it goes back to the definition of what we define it. And if it's holistic, you know, who you are and sort of the energy and, you know, how you engage, maybe, you know, when I, when you, when we talk about wardrobe and we, to your point, limit it to that one statement, I see your point, but you know, you know, um, you're not wearing them today. Didi, you normally wear these amazing glasses. I have on glasses. Wait, hold up. I'll change up. I almost put them on them like they don't match my lipstick. So, <laughs> but, but my on. point is those beautiful glasses that you've made with such um, amazing colors and, and fabric that in, I mean, you could show up in a tank top and those glasses and that would be very stylish. So it's interesting how sometimes it's the entirety of what you're wearing and what you're saying. And sometimes it could be one thing that pushes it over to that realm of style. I don't know. It's a, it's, I've never thought about it. Of course, I read the question two minutes before we got on the phone. And I was like, oh, man, D. <laughs> it's it, girl. It, but it's a very thoughtful response, and I appreciate it. And, I, oh, man, I could, I could keep on going down this one. It, I, I'm thinking of that line in Devil Wears Prada where Meryl Streep's character is just upbraiding the poor little new hire, Andy. And she says, you have no style or personal taste. And she's like, wait, huh? She's like, uh-uh. That, that wasn't a, a question. You know? <laughs> and, you know, to some folks, it, style is a very narrow, you know, description. But I think you're stylish. I think that I I, I have some kind of a style. That's the, the most that I think my comfort level would, would uh, say with some level of uh, okayness. But... It also depends on, to your point, how you view yourself at a certain time. I remember being so specific until about maybe a decade ago of what I was wearing, you know, uh, coordinating, thinking about it, what's in style, what makes sense, earrings, shoes. I don't know where that shift happened. And I think it's interesting. I think the more I started to really love who I was, the less I cared about that intricacy of matching and the perfect thing, you know, so then it became less about what was on the outside and more about what was on the inside. And interestingly enough, when that happened, it wasn't, I mean, I like nice things, Mm -hmm. but there's not such an urgency to make sure that it's all put together. I love hand in advance. You know, that's so, that is so true because I also had that shift where it's like, no, I actually, I don't want it to match. I, I think matching is corny, but there was a time when if the purse did not match the shoes, did it match the little hand? Like I, I didn't feel like I had it going on, but now it's like, oh, please. And but I see I, those yeah. girls, right? Or those women, D, don't you see them on the street or when we used to go outside? I'm like, what street? <laughs> In the grocery aisle. <laughs> we used to engage in the world, and I would yeah. see um, at work, I would see these women like impeccably dressed, you know, perfect for their body type. And, you know, a little bit of envy would, would sure. come with that, but it takes a lot of effort. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it doesn't. That's why I'm excited about today. I don't think we've had a guest on like today's guest. We have not. I am so, so hyped. So we are joined today by. 
unquestionably a style expert who also is just one of the most beautiful souls that that I've ever encountered in this life. And, you know, we had him on our dream list of guests Mm -hmm. to bring on for a minute and really wanted to feel like we have to just build this up a little bit more before we have someone of his magnitude. So... So we are just so thrilled to welcome today's guest, who is Anatoly Smith. Anatoly is a Jamaican-born, New York-based stylist, fashion editor, creative director, and creative consultant in the world of fashion. He's a graduate from Columbia University. Woo-woo to everybody who is listening, every lion out there listening. We love you. Shout out to the BSO. Um, he's also a graduate of the Fashion <laughs> Institute of Technology, um, and his work can be found on the pages of magazines like <laughs> Vanity Fair, Harper's Bazaar, GQL, and many, many others. Now, Anatoly considers himself primarily a storyteller and a deep fan of creativity and creative people. And this quote that he has, I absolutely love it. He said, I think it is my job to bring people together and get creative people to use fashion and imagery to tell stories that I feel need to be told. So we're going to learn about the sort of stories that uh, <laughs> that deserved a moment of silence. Well, let me shut up. No, no, no. <laughs> Anatoly, welcome. Welcome to the Polypack. We're excited. We're excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me. Like, I, as I said, when, when we started talking about this, I've never done a podcast before. I'm extremely nervous, but I'm really, really happy to be here. So thank you. Thank you for even asking me to and considering me to for this. We're so happy to be the first and we're shocked that we are the first. But hey, you can break it in with us. You have nothing to be nervous about because we, as our listeners know, uh, we don't know what we're doing. We're just talking. So (laughs) we have a little, we get better each time, I think. Do you? I think. You do. You do. Absolutely. Yeah. Jury's still out on me. But Anatoly, welcome to the Bali Effect, where we explore life's pivotal moments. And, you know, you come from, as I mentioned, one of the most brilliant uh, and beautiful uh, island nations in the world. I I truly say Jamaica is my happy place. And if the pandemic allowed me to just go somewhere right now, I would hop straight on a plane to Mobay and just get on the beach and drink some rum punch and be happy AF. However, <laughs> until that um, moment, I'm, I'm finding a way to go there very soon. I have to take me with you. Let's discuss after this. <laughs> but can you just tell us, um, was fashion something that was always on your radar when you were growing up? in Jamaica or did an interest in this world of glamour come later on? I I don't know if fashion was always on my radar, but style certainly always was. Um, I grew up in a household where my grandfather was a tailor and my grandmother was a dressmaker. Mm. And so I just from a very, very early age, um, my I would help primarily my grandmother to you know source fabrics for people co-design with them from different for different things from like people going to dance halls and this is like in the 80s and 90s or women going to work um and just for for sort of various occasions and 
I was always, you know, just really interested in that. I got very good at it at sort of helping and communicating with primarily women on, you know, what they love, what they feel comfortable in, what looks really good, um, and how they feel empowered to sort of move, you know, using clothing. Um, so I think I, that's where it started. And because my grandmother made most of my mother's clothes, like my mom was always the chicest person anywhere. Like you... I, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just remember even like, I loved parent, like PTA meetings because I knew my mom was going to show up and sort of <laughs> shut it down every single time. Nice. <laughs> was it the material? So you say, you know, um, your grandfather was a tailor, you said? Yes. Was it the colors and textures of the material that first interested you in this idea of style? Or was it the, uh, you know, the finished product, you know, of, of all of this it, stuff coming together? It was the interaction with the people and how the clothes made them feel. Mm-hmm. Because I even today, I, I realize I love fashion and I love clothes, but it isn't the clothes that excite me the most. It is usually the the, the creative process. You know, I love working on fashion shows and I consult for some some designers and I'll, I'll work together from like the beginning of the research to the end where it's on, it goes to the runway or it is shot for an advertising campaign. But that process is really what excites me. When it goes out into the world, to be honest, what people do with it is is, is wonderful. But that process of making it and, and, and how it, it, you know, how it can affect people is is what i love so okay we have so many questions for you and i just want to give a just a basic basic elementary explanation for anybody who doesn't know what is a stylist what is a creative director <laughs> like what what is it that you are responsible for doing because in many ways you're like the 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 string puller of so much of what we see, like the puppeteer behind the pages of some of the most, you know, phenomenal looks in the top fashion magazines in the world. Uh, but, but what does the stylist do or what does the creative director do? Um, so I, I basically love imagery. I love creativity i love people who sort of make things and who want to see the world in a different way and therefore try to engage to make it that way and so most of my day most of my time is spent sort of you know i surround myself with those people and what they do and i try to sort of bring elements of what they create bring sort of creative people together um to make images. And so that will, for a magazine, for example, for Vanity Fair, um, you know, they, they have particular stories or particular people that they want to, to showcase. My job is sort of to bring the tools together, you know, the right photographer, the right clothing. How do we tell the story in, you know, location versus studio? Like I'm basically bringing elements together um to make a picture or make a video or that's that is my basic job if, if that do, answers the question do they give you a blank slate do they say it is this beautiful model dd and you have <laughs> you the the type of feeling we're going for is one of um compassion Pan, or i don't pandemic know pandemic chic pandemic yeah. chic 
And then you're, you take it from there. You take every single element, lighting, um, photography. Like I know you, you just I mean, mentioned that, but yeah. It, it depends on the magazine. Some, there are, you know, there are also other people who will come on as a, as a, a photo director that the magazine mm-hmm. may have some idea that they want to portray. Very often they don't. And the most, like my favorite jobs are when really, we sort of get to come together as a team and sort of create whatever the images are going to be. And we, we, not that we get carte blanche because, you know, there's always something, some kind of restrictions and some mm-hmm. things based on the magazine itself, based on advertisers sometimes mm-hmm. need to be involved because they pay for what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, so, so it varies is, is what I'm saying. Like there are times when I do get to, for example, some of my favorite jobs are when I get to bring the photographer on that I want to work with um, to, and, and that usually when, you know, you work with a team of people who sort of have the same kind of respect for each other's work, where everyone has feels comfortable being vulnerable on set and bringing their best. And, you know, that, that usually makes for the best collaborations and the best results for me. I can totally see wanting to bring your own photographer because capturing a certain image, certain angle, lighting, you know, when you find someone that brings what you have in mind to life, it's extraordinary. I, I, I would actually think you'd want to do that every single time. You know, this is my photographer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't always have that. I don't always Luxury. get to do that. But um, that is definitely when I, I mean, there, there are also people whose work I love, who I understand that what I'm going to bring to the table doesn't really work with what they do. You know, like they take a particular kind of picture and it's it's a picture that I enjoy, but it's not a picture that I want to be part of necessarily. Mm-hmm. I feel like that in my personal life. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Anatoly, when did you realize that you wanted to pursue a career in fashion? Like when you came to Columbia... Uh, was that your first time coming to be in the States full time? Yes. Right. That's what I remember. So at that time, did you say like, I'm going to go to New York and conquer the fashion world? Or did you have something else in mind? I definitely had other things in mind. Um, but it, what it, what I've realized now in hindsight is that I've always, always, always done exactly the same thing. Like in high school, before I came here, I started a magazine with a bunch of my friends and just people that I met around the country. And I was shooting a weekly fashion column um, where fashion in Jamaica at the time, I was just going to random boutiques and finding like local designers, bringing my friends (laughs) and telling stories about the clothes that were in these stores. You know, when I got to Columbia, I don't know if you remember, there was this like CCTV. Oh, yes, I do. Very much so. I was like, I remember you taught me. You might not remember this. You taught me how to walk a runway like in the Malcolm X lounge because it was some fashion show that was happening. I think it might have been like ASA's fashion show. And I'm like, I don't know. I walk straight. And she's like, oh, no. Like you just you taught me like you have to walk like a giraffe. Like like, I remember I was like, his walk is impressive. I, I don't know how we'll ever be able to do that. So, yeah. Wait, you guys went to college together. What was your first impression of Anatoly when you met him? Genius. Genius. That still is my impression. 
I think so I think you should show that picture. Singular about his vision. Oh yes, so I did find this last night, and I do want to share it to show. Uh, the adage that, that black don't crack is very real. And for those <laughs> in listening land, you might want to check this one out on YouTube because this is a picture of us in college. The, the, the ring is there. But if you can see this, and shout out to Melvin, who also is Hi, wonderful. Marvin. Beautiful. But doesn't he Hi, look Marvin. great? Marvin, you are you look great. You, you uh, haven't changed at all. Oh, you're very kind. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep up with you. I love the hair, by the way. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, so what did you think that you were going to do, but actually we're still doing fashion alongside the other stuff? I mean, I, I, I went through a a number of phases. I, I thought I initially, I came, I came to New York to be in, to study acting and journalism. That was sort of what coming from making this magazine in Jamaica, I always thought I was going to you know, be a writer and sort of make magazines, which I guess is somehow similar to what I do now. But um, what is Lism you mentioned? What is you said? What's Lism? You said I want to come to New York and make journalism. a magazine. In journalism, sorry, this is okay. Got journalism, it. got it, got it. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and so I, I, I did, um, I did that the human rights program at Columbia. I did the writing program and I did gender studies. Um, cause I, when I coming to New York and, you know, being queer, being gay from another place, like I, it was, it was important to me to sort of explore what that means to study what that means to be able to understand sort of, and, and to be able to help other people essentially. Um, which I guess also now is part of my work in fashion based on the stories I choose to tell the people I choose to, to include that sort of thing. Well, this dovetails beautifully into the quote that you had made about, you know, I use fashion to tell the stories that I feel need to be told today. What are the stories that you think need to be told through fashion? Um, Primarily stories about black people, women, queer people. Uh, I go, I you know I live my life sort of looking for beauty for people who are interested in in, in creativity and beauty, and I I, I want to show that as well as much in my work. I want to show the people that I know, the people that I care about. Um, and most of these people are primarily people who don't get spaces in, um, or don't traditionally get spaces in the magazines and in the media that I now have access to. Got what it. type of impact do you think this has on those individuals where you're creating space for them to showcase who they are and to be proud of who they are and their creativity? I can only imagine it does have a tremendous impact because I remember looking for, you know, sort of versions of myself or the people that I knew growing up and there just weren't any or there weren't enough really in, in these spaces that I, I revered, you know, looking at, at the pages of Vogue or other magazines that I loved because I thought they were beautiful, but they just weren't 
I didn't see myself. I didn't see my friends. I didn't see my mom. And I, I, I didn't see the people I grew up with. And I knew they were, I, I've always known we were beautiful and we were incredibly talented and we were worth being spoken about. Um, and also just as a queer person from Jamaica in particular, like I, I seeing that sort of, Im- seeing that kind of imagery is, it's, it's potentially life-saving, you know, for a lot of people because it's, it's a tough world when you, you can't, be what you can't see, I've heard people say. And if you can't see those representations of yourself, like it is hard to imagine that this is something that you can do. When did you realize that you really could write yourself into these spaces and these stories? You know, that it's been a struggle. Like, I, I always knew I wanted to be in the space. Mm-hmm. It took a while, particularly in fashion, to, like, I, I had to learn, you know, I've, like, been able to travel the world, but learning and always learning through a particular lens, and I always felt like I, init- I didn't always, but at a certain point, I felt like I had to tell some stories that I even didn't, I wasn't interested in, because that was the way to get an entry. Um to fashion um mm-hmm. i when did i realize that i could tell my own story I, I think it's just been gradual and i've 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 pushed more and more the further i've gone to to be able to own the stories and own the space you know say no when i need to say no um and insist on sort of telling the truth or the truth that I'm interested in. I think that your intentions are, and I think we were saying this about somebody else, your intentions are so um, pure, mm-hmm. and that that is so evident. Your authenticity is so clearly communicated. I think that's a part of your magnetism and why so many great people you know, are wanting to work with you. Now, I will give you the space to name the names of the the stars and the, the galaxy that you have worked with if you want to speak those names. If you don't, that is totally fine. But you really have worked with celebrities and the the largest fashion designers on the planet. And I wonder, at the same time, you are so unpretentious. And in an industry that is so dominated by outward appearance and status and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. like a lot of stock is put into that. Um, can you explain where, how do you define your sense of worth? Well, um, or where does it come from? Oh, it comes from, well, fashion has never, like, I'm, I work in fashion. I work in this industry, but I, my worth has never come from it. Like I, I know exactly, I like I know exactly where I come from, the people I come from, what they've done to get me to where I am, and I'm way more connected to that than I can ever be to sort of fashion. Um, you know, like I. Yeah, my sense of worth comes, it's from like my mother and my grandmother and the people who really have 
busted their asses to give me opportunities to be here. So, they, you know, I can I can be told no by a client or, you know, for a job that I want, but they, they don't get to define me. They never have. Nice. This is the most powerful statement, you know, I think a person can make. It's certainly to me, uh, if you are at the point and just so you know, Anatole, I think many people struggle with not defining their worth externally and not having other people force this, the, the spectrum of where they feel, you know, their worth is. But I, I think it's it, from the, from the place that you just mentioned of, you know, these people and these situations and fashion is what I do, but it doesn't define my worth. I think that's where the most power comes from. You know, I think that's where an individual can really succeed or whatever your definition of success is, because you mentioned this earlier, you know, it's the storytelling that you love so much. It's the combination exactly. of all these things. And storytelling comes up many, many times on our podcasts because most of our guests um, consider themselves storytellers, regardless of what they're doing. And mm-hmm. I think that's a, an extremely, extremely uh, powerful statement. When did you realize that you were good? I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Come okay. on. Um, no. Right there a moment where you're like, oh. No, right, I just I'm I, I, my collar now. So and so you know, when did that happen? Um I don't know if there's a if there's a particular moment, but I on open tour was like, good job. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know <laughs> I've learned in fashion, like I don't I love, love, love people who are creative. I love people who really just fuck shit up. And a lot of times those aren't people, aren't people in power. You know, it's not necessarily Anna Wintour's or people like that. It's people I come across day to day, like a lot of young people, a lot of people who aren't, you know, they don't have that kind of status. And so I, and I've, I've also, I used to have many heroes in fashion when I was in college. You know, I was obsessed with this name or that person. And then I meet them and work with them. And I'm like, mm. I love what you do, but it's all right. I'm good over here. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. Um, so I've, I've learned, you know, like they don't really get to tell me. I mean, I, I love when people love what I do and I love particularly in collaboration when people feel at the end that, you know, we've made a picture that really, like, for example, I worked with Raquel Willis the other day and the last thing she said was, I love this so much. I'm going to show this to my mom. That's what I care about. It's not even someone telling me that, Oh, you're so good. It's when I feel like I've told a story, you know, used what, what resources I've had in whatever short space of time it is. And it usually is a space of time where we get to interact and get to come together and make something that is going to go out in the world, live in the world and represent someone that they feel really happy and comfortable and, and, and proud of it, then I feel like I've done my job. Listen, the first time, the first time a picture or a creative um, story that you put together was in a magazine such as, I don't know, some of the publications you've been in, GQL, all of these things, that very, do you remember that very first print that you saw? And what was your reaction? I mean, I, I feel like there had to have been a, I, this is fantastic. And I'm going to take a thousand copies and send it to my parents. 
Mama, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it was not a big one. It was not a big one. It was a smaller a publication. And I, I think it was because I worked for months on creating this magazine called Open Lab with a friend of mine, Delwyn. And we told, there's this one story that made the cover that I was very proud of and not seeing it in print. Yes, it was just, I feel like we did a good job with telling the story that we wanted to tell and with the absolute deficit of resources. <laughs> and that I was proud of. You know, I'm, I'm always happy to see the work in print. The truth is the print usually comes months after... <laughs> After the job, and so by then I've already moved on to whatever's the next product project. Anatoly, it's so obvious that you have such a, a zen-like quality, and this year has been so rough for everybody. I'm wondering, do you have some sort of like spiritual practice that just helps to keep you calm? And part two of the question: Do you ever struggle with feeling like uninspired or unmotivated? And if you do, how do you pivot around? or work through those feelings? Um, a practice sort of that I've, I've just sort of delved further into, I, I wouldn't necessarily call them self care, but maybe wellness practices and routines for myself. Like for over the past several years, I've gotten sort of leaned into what my grandmother was trying to teach me when I was younger about like herbs and nutrition. And that I think has saved my life. Like I, I go home two or three times a year, usually besides this year so far. Um, and I'll come back with like tons of herbs, tea, things that, you know, I, I can feel actively like I'm taking care of myself, my body, that kind of thing. And that has done wonders for me. Um, just, making sure that whatever happens, I'm going to get up and exercise, you know, um, that's also been really helpful for me, uh, mm -hmm. as someone who's been a freelancer, who I'm normally going here, there, I don't really have a schedule or not a schedule, but I don't have a routine, just making sure that I take the time out to, to exercise, to very sort of regularly consume herbs, um, that's, that's basically what saved me during this time. Do you ever feel like my, my, my motivation is gone or you are just so focused and comp and, uh, and, uh, uh, disciplined that that's a non-issue? Um, no, it's not that my, I, I always have stories to tell. I'm mm -hmm. always my, you know, I've, I've never been able to, even when things are going well, I've always had to go out and seek opportunities because I'm a freelancer. I've always had to make my jobs. So even during this time, like I still, nothing has really changed for me besides there is a little bit less work, but I'm still having to go out and, you know, make the connections that I need to sort of make the, the projects that I want happen. Are those sense. projects happening in the same way? I know, I know you're, you're saying you're a freelancer. I still have to go out and get these projects, but Considering the environment, um, have you had to shift in how you create? Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell um, us about I've, it. I've styled projects over Zoom. I am, well, I'm going to California in a couple of days uh, to work on something where uh, 
Now I have to, today I have to do a COVID test. I'm required to quarantine for the days before I leave. I'll do another test when I get there and quarantine until I get on set. Like it's, it's definitely changed how, you know, sets are much smaller. You realize what can be achieved without 20,000 people. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a very different environment and we've all had to, to change how we approach everything. Have you done any projects entirely through video, including the photography? And I've seen so absolutely. many. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What's your biggest takeaway from that? You know, obviously it's not the same, but were you a little surprised that you could potentially tell that same story and get the imagery that you wanted through a medium like video and not um, in person? Yes, but I, 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 I think, I mean, some, some things do get lost. I think, um, I think you, you, you can still tell the same story, but uh, there is something about sort of being in the same space, sort of working through things together. Um, and what communication looks like on set and just, I, I don't know. I, I personally think, um, it's, it's not the same and, yeah. and hope we can get back to, to what it was before. For sure. You know, speaking about 2020 and the things that have changed, as you know, uh, the country is awakening to a lot of, of difficult realities that have been around for a long time. You mentioned wanting to be very intentional about creating opportunity for black people. And, and, you know, I wonder, have you seen that the fashion industry this year in particular, in light of the explosion of Black Lives Matter movement and, and everybody trying to be a little bit more conscientious that the industry is shifting or pivoting to in, in a direction of more equity. Um, I've heard about the Black in Fashion Council. I don't know what it is. Um, is that something that you're a part of or just I'm asking so many questions. Just have at any of that. <laughs> um, I see the industry moving in in a better direction as far as um making space for black storytellers for black stories for employing um the black and fashion consulate is is essentially trying to make sure that fashion companies will commit to hiring black people in sort of positions of influence um and you know, I I am hoping that this this sort of is not just performative for this moment because it, it does feel like that in some in some instances. Um, that that is 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 yet to be seen. I hope it it, it is a change that that continues. Um, but I am I am happy to see a lot of. Black creatives, a lot of black designers, a lot of stylists and photographers getting spaces, you know, on shelves or in publications or in, in programs that just weren't happening before. You know, I'm dying to know who are your style icons? Me too. Ooh. Me too. Style icons. Yes. I mean, it sounds like your mom is one. For sure. My mom and my, my mom, my grandmother, um, 
James Baldwin. Yes. Oh, is it James? Yes. Um, okay. Other style icons. I mean, a lot of the people I really respect are people I see in Brooklyn, like just at parties who mm. literally come on point on game daily. Like I, I, I don't really have kind of famous people style icons. It's usually people I come across who I know, you know, this person is on, cares so much about what they wear. They're on eBay trying to find that one piece of old comb or, you know, really, really care about what they wear and how they look and show up. And those those are usually everyday people for me. Well, whose work then do you admire? Whose work in in the same category as you do, inspires you? Or if you see their final product, are you like, oh yeah, this little this was amazing? Oh, there's a a stylist in camera in London, young young guy who's absolutely killing everything he touches. Uh, my friend Jawara, who is a hairstylist, also Jamaican. Literally, like, brilliant, brilliant, everything he touches. Um, my friend Makaya is a photographer who is also incredible. There are lots of, lots and lots of people um, who are making really brilliant work and are just, you know, taking commanding space to show what they can do. And well, your work is not only the work that we see on the page that you have, you know, styled, but you are now showing up, and maybe you have for much longer than I've been aware, but in front of the camera as well, oh. because all of that work that you're doing when you're exercising <laughs> is clearly paying off. <clears throat> and most recently, you know, we saw the New York Times piece, beautiful picture you. of you and many others from the John Edmonds exhibit, The Allure of Africa, that is on display through next year at Brooklyn Museum, putting in the plug. But I wonder, do you feel more vulnerable in front of the camera oh, than yeah. you do behind it? Well, tell us how you got into doing that. Where'd that um, start? I rarely, rarely, rarely ever allow anyone to take my picture. I don't, I'm not um i'm very comfortable behind the camera i love making pictures um john in fact i i don't know if i'm if i should say this but when he first asked me to do it i said i i wasn't sure that i would because <laughs> i i don't like having my pictures like um, why it's always the most beautiful ones i think so really i i just feel better sort of making the picture and um my friend justin takes really great pictures of me i love how he sees me um but john's work i saw i went i met him because he had photographed justin um who does the very black project i don't know if you are aware of it mm -hmm. um so we went to the moma book fair where john had sort of done his first book of portraits and Justin was one of them. So we went to support him and I met him there. Um, yeah, it took a while to do it because I. <laughs> I'm glad that he did win you over because your photo is spectacular 
and yeah, I, as are the others. Do you realize, well, I don't even want to put words in your mouth. How does it make you feel that you are someone else's muse? Um, I am, for John, because I, I really, really, really love what he does. I love his work. I love what he tries to, repre- what he represents. Um, so I'm really, you know, honored, proud, grateful um, that he spent the time to ask me to do it and to kind of insist that I did it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that. I, I love that picture. And I love really his work. And so recently we've also collaborated, um, where I styled, uh, and he, he photographed and I'm a little bit more comfortable with that. <laughs> uh, All right. That is my wheelhouse, but yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's fair enough. Um, I, I, I think, uh, another burning question is a lot of us feel like, and, and Preeti and I alluded to this at the top of the show, that our sense of style has taken a hit in the pandemic. <laughs> and, <laughs> and do you have any advice for folks who still want to feel somewhat, uh, you know, that they haven't fully let themselves go? What, how can one keep a sense of style while spending a whole lot of time at home? Um, is style even still relevant? when we're mostly, you know, hunkered in or just going to the grocery store? I mean, I I don't know if I can speak to style necessarily. I just, I'm more concerned about wellness and feeling feeling good, feeling good on the inside, because that sort of comes on the outside when, yeah. you know, that, that I'm, I'm more concerned about sort of eating well, exercising, just sort of generally being intentional about taking care of yourself, you know? That that I think is more important than than you know any clothing or any accessory or anything like that. That you sound like my therapist. I remember I was I I was renewing my passport seriously, and I took the picture and I was in such a very upset place at the time. And I took the picture and I seeing the shot of me, I looked so haggard because I was just so sad. And I spoke to her about it. I was like, I look a hundred years old. Oh my gosh. I can't have this picture looking at me for the next 10 years. And what do I do to not look so sad? And she basically said what you just said. She's like, once you start taking care of yourself, it'll mm-hmm. transform mm-hmm. your outward appearance. Like, I'm not going to say like, yeah. go and like put this on or wear that. No, like you need to just take care of yeah. you. It has nothing to do, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I'll look at old pictures and be like, oh, I I looked younger or whatever. But truly, when I've I've studied this, you know, like what what was going on in my life? It's when I'm the happiest. You know, it's when I'm traveling. It's Mm -hmm. when I'm in India. Like, it's true that saying happy, the happy girls are the prettiest or something like that. It's true. And and I love that, Anatoly, because you you're essentially saying not to put words in your mouth. You can't have one without the other. You know, style yeah. is 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 indifferent. Style is not um, pertinent unless you are feeling, you know, a certain way and you're taking care of yourself. I mean, I, I know how to prop up a picture. I know how to sort of make someone look good on a surface level, but I don't find that it's the most important. Like, drink water. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's it. If, if you guys take anything from this pot, drink water. How much water do you drink a day? Because your skin is amazing. Thank you. I drink a lot. I don't know. Like, I try to drink a gallon, but sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. All right, Preeti. Life goals. Although, honey, you you looking great, too. Yeah, I'm falling behind. Amazing. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I try to. I moisturize and drink a lot of water. It's true. Yeah. It's it's truly, that's what it is. And like I said, I love talking to people. I love doing this yeah. podcast. So for me, yeah. I mean, Didi can attest, hasn't been the most you know, amazing 24 hours. But when I do this, I just feel so it's so invigorating to hear other people's stories and how they think and what they're doing. Thank you for having me. Man, I still have I got just a few more questions. Um, what is the best advice that you ever received, personal or professional? Hmm. That you might want to, I'll, I'll narrow it a bit, that you might want to pass on to other people who have creative souls and, and see themselves as storytellers. Um, is to, well, I, the best advice I can give, and I, I tell this to friends all the time, is to really commit to telling Telling your truth, telling your story, and also not comparing your journey to others. Um, that, yeah, that's something that I've had to learn and I've, I've, I share with, with people all the time, you know? Um, you get to, you get to write your own story as you go and how everybody else shows up, it's sort of, let them do as they do and just focus on, on, on what you're doing and telling and building your story. Well, you have written a beautiful story so far and there's still so much more to go. And we are just thrilled to have a, a front row seat to continue to watch it unfold. Something that we like to do, cause I told you this time it always flies by so fast, but we ask people to answer uh, about five questions that we just ask in succession with just a few words or one word. It's kind of rapid fire, but just the first thing that comes to mind, boom, hit it out. Okay. Right, Are you ready? Okay. Go. Here we go. Something I wish I had learned earlier on my journey is. Trust myself. Be unafraid. Mm, okay. If I could style any person, living or dead, it would be. Um, right now, shoot from the hip. I mean, I'm already working with her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> of course. Can you say her uh, name or no? Um, Tracy Ellis. Oh! Yeah. I cannot wait to see that. Beautiful. Okay. Yes. And I could see why you would love her and I could see why she would love you. And that's going to create beautiful things. Okay. I was hoping you'd say Dee Dee Perry, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's next go. one. Let's do it. <laughs> next one. Um, 
something that makes any person look really pulled together is water. I don't know. <laughs> Drinking water. I love it. Okay. All right. Moisturizing. Yes. Okay. All right, Tana, you're on the right track. Okay. Uh, one thing that never goes out of style is being nice to people. Like being considerate, being a good human. I feel pure bliss when I eat really good mangoes from Jamaica. Wow. And out of all my achievements, I'm the most proud of. Um, being able to insist, basically being able to tell black queer stories um, wherever I can, because I needed them growing up and I know other people in other in similar situations need to see them and need to see reflections of themselves. You're saving lives. I, I think it's incredible, you know, to turn your, to, to, to be able to take your craft and use it to help others. Truly. I, I'm humbled by this conversation. Thank you I'm so much. Anna. I'm inspired by it too. <laughs> Everything. I'm no, finna go drink, drink a all gallon of water. water. I, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. All right, I'm gonna pace myself all day. But Anatoly, thank you so 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 much. How can people find about find out about your work? Follow you? All the things. Where can they Where can they find you in these interwebs? Um, my Instagram, though it's not not very regularly updated, is my name Anatoly. <laughs> And that's it. I also have a website, AnatoliSmith.com. Fantastic. Beautiful images there. We love you. I am thank so you. grateful that, that we were able to do this. And I can't wait to see what's next. Me too. I was super nervous coming into this. Thank you both for making me feel so Oh, you were delightful. Beyond delightful. Thank you so much. You're a natural, honey. Stick with it. <laughs> uh -huh. Until All right. Next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, follow us on Instagram, the underscore Bali underscore effect. And we'll see you there. Thank you. Bye. Check us out.